0: This podcast is brought to you by SCORE Foundation.
1: Hi, my name is George Abraham and welcome to iway Conversations. My guest today is Dr. Sharad Philip, a practicing psychiatrist. Hi, Sharad. Welcome. Hi, sir. Sharad, uh, I, you, know, you are a doctor professionally. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you, uh, do you think blind and visually impaired people can take the liberty of aspiring to be doctors or medical professionals?
2: Well, sir, my straight up answer is yes. I believe that every person with disability should aspire to get into the healthcare professions, should get into the medical professions. There's lots of things that the entire medical community can learn from them. And most importantly, if service and quality and all the things that need to be improved can be improved, it's only going to be with the disabled people and the disabled community entering into medicine. Now, there are challenges, yes. It's not an easy road at all. And it's uh, a little unheard of. It's difficult, uh, to put it mildly. But I don't think it's impossible. As for liberties to aspire, I think the sky is the limit for anybody. For anybody who wants to apply their mind, who has the right opportunities and the resources, there's no limit to what they can or what they should not do. Nothing like that, sir. My opinion, yes, they should.
1: You've uh, qualified to be a doctor. You did your MBBS and then your MD and you've got several diploma course, diploma degrees also in your specialized area. Uh, so maybe you could share with us uh, some of the challenges that um, you faced on your journey, uh, starting from uh, the entrance.
2: I'm someone who has retinitis pigmentosa and the failing eyesight didn't really help. With trying to convince people that I can do medicine, so for starters, the first person that I had to try and convince was the ophthalmologist, was the eye doctor, pronouncing my diagnosis and telling me that you should not take science stream. Not just with him, but then also with uh, my father, who had uh, been convinced that you know it's going to be uh, a quite an ardu- arduous uphill. Uh, endeavor for me to do that and just going to fail flat out. I had to face a lot of uh, challenges with regard to trying to explain it to myself, my self-doubt, the doubt of people around me. The next two years consecutively, I got into the Armed Forces Medical College. I was there for the uh, interviews and all of that. And I was just trembling, trying to think of how am I going to clear the physical because I know that they are saying they will not take a person with an eyesight problem like mine. And uh, by God's grace, my Jesus favor, I just got into Christian Medical College, Ludhiana at that point of time. And through that, through whatever tests that were done at that point of time, I was able to clear those tests with ease. Entrance exams were horrible for me. I had given almost 20 entrance exams a year. That was the time when there was no need and everything you had to give separately. I would kind of try and ask um, each invigilator, can you please let me sit next to the window? Can you please let me uh, sit under a tube light? And there would be many times where uh, I was not able to make out where I was marking. Um, I lost out on a couple of entrance exams because the sequence on the optical mark reader sheet, you know, you had to color those uh, sheets with the A, B, C, D, and then it would just you know, kind of spit out your score once it goes through a scanner. So if you get the sequence wrong, like for example, you're doing the second row and you're starting from 51, uh, and suppose you start marking from 52. So after that, whatever you're doing, every answer goes wrong if you miss just one and there was so many things that i had to learn by doing uh, learn by experimenting over there because i felt there was no one really who would understand and anybody i go and tell this problem to would just simply say why the hell are you getting into this why are you making it difficult for yourself? so that didn't was you, that
1: no but didn't you look at uh, getting a scribe to help you out at that point
2: No, actually, there wasn't a provision for a scribe. And we're talking about 2002, 2003. I wasn't aware of these things either. I wasn't aware that my disability, uh, if told and talked about, would actually help me. I thought it would be something if I revealed to people, it would be a limiting factor. It would be something that would kill my dreams. When you got into medical
1: college, uh, uh, obviously people around you would have realized that you have an eye problem. Your professors would have felt it. Uh, How did they respond and how did they kind of facilitate your journey through?
2: Okay, yeah, that, that's an important thing. I mean, I, I found their responses to be quite like the rest of the community. Um, it was not very welcoming, uh, if you say on the overall, but there were these islands of really good people, supportive people who were there. Uh, the It just takes one or two, or maybe even uh, just a small group of people to actually make a person with disabilities life better. Um, But, you know, the entire thing um, hinges on what the majority opinion is. And, you know, one or two negative comments also tends to depress you. So uh, I had one of my anatomy uh, teachers tell me, uh, you know, what you're doing is not right. Uh, There's going to be a problem. Uh, Tomorrow there is a patient who comes to you. That patient's going to feel at a disadvantage compared to uh, other people. You may not be able to pick up and be a good diagnostician. Um, and at that time it was like I really didn't understand why people were saying that it's I mean it almost felt like the eyes were studying medicine and not me Uh, it almost felt uh, you know if I didn't have uh, the proper eyesight I I didn't belong there Um, but yes uh, there were times where I was able to do this and this was just through uh, a lot of prayer and support and a lot of uh, uh, health that I got so uh, one of the things was I actually came third in my entire batch for a dissection competition um, I had to dissect the back of the knee and show some vessels and nerves and all of that and I came third and I didn't really get uh, how I did it so well but I just did it and uh, I, I I really thought there that you know my, my dream of being a surgeon and all of that would be uh, something that I could do based on that now from there, I, I did see that a lot of other faculty would not uh, be quite supportive. So I had to go out the extra mile to show that I belong there. So for that, I would try to take on extra tasks, extra responsibilities, be volunteering for presentations, for tutorials, uh, for discussions, and try to uh, show. Uh, you know all throughout that I, I'm there I'm studying I, I can understand what you're saying and I, I'm good I'm good as good as anybody else and uh, my my whole achievement uh, oriented uh, philosophy started from there that I had to show that I am the best not just one amongst them I had to show that I was the best so I had very supportive uh, classmates over there with me who um, would just revise uh, the topics with me and you know I would just hear and I was starting to learn by the year and I could go and reproduce what were, I was told better than the people who told it to me and that started getting me a reputation that started uh, separating me from whatever people had in their mind about a person with visual impairment doing uh, medicine yes there were some clinical postings there were issues with uh, uh, things but then even those could be surmounted you could always be tested on alternate things it's actually the uh, the uh, the learning uh, and the understanding that should be tested rather than you know a person's eyesight or the strength of one's hand or whether they can walk about or not or stand in an operation theater all of these things appear you know superfluous uh, if you ask me sir what's uh, important is that people with uh, the right abilities and the right understanding and the right learning are there and we should do everything to retain them
0: If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the Iway National Toll Free Helpline number 1800 5320469. The number is 1800
1: 5320469. Now, when you're doing medicine, there are uh, also clinics with ophthalmology, with um, various um, uh, departments or various uh, branches of uh, medicine where uh, as, a, as a medical student, you are kind of put through the grind so that you learn. So uh, there are these branches where the eye or being able to see is very critical.
2: Uh, do you have any experiences there to share? yes sir i i really have i mean one of the things was the microscope the microscope and me we are not friends because the moment i tried to look into it it used to be so bad i just couldn't make out there was so much of uh, blur there were so many floaters there would be so many things that i couldn't couldn't just make out i mean people would say there are these colors they could identify cells and i for the life of me i could not understand why this is a basophil, and this is not a new neut- uh, This is not a neutrophil. Uh, these are cell types. These are white blood cell types. But then, uh, I, I understood that just being able to identify this is uh, kept as a basic competency. So, if there's some way where I could, uh, you know, look at a magnified picture or be able to tell them that these are the characteristics with which I would differentiate one from the other. It may not be that I have the eyesight to be able to differentiate in myself, but if I could get another person by describing it to them, you know, in the simplest of terms, and be able to help them differentiate between uh, that, I think that should suffice. So, so one thing was very clear for me: I am not. Going into medicine, demanding that in spite of my eyesight, I be allowed to, in spite of my eye problems, I be allowed to do everything that a person with superb eyesight needs to do. I'm not wanting to be an ophthalmologist. I'm not wanting to be uh, an expert surgeon or any of those things. My, my entire intention was to get the whole aspect of being trained in medicine so that I can take the next step to try and understand what I should do towards helping people. Not every person who gets trained in MBBS remains in medicine. A lot of them move out into research. A lot of them move out into public health, policy, management so um i think this is something that should be kept in mind you opted to do psychiatry now
1: uh, was this a decision that was made for you or you chose
2: so sir my initial dream when i got into medicine and surgery i'm sorry when i got into mbbs was to be a good diagnostician in terms of wanting to Uh, you know be be able to understand whatever problems that people came with so my aim was that slowly I enjoyed doing a lot of orthopedics and my orthopedic uh, 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 orthopedics teachers professors and faculty really enjoyed uh, working with me and I actually got a lot of chances uh in in cutting so I scrubbed up and I've even assisted my hod in some surgeries and I did it with whatever with whatever sight that I had. And when I was doing something wrong, they were kind enough to tell me that, see, this is where you're going wrong. Just hold on. Just don't do this more. So I have actually scrubbed up for as many surgeries as possible. And I don't think I have done any less than any of my peers or batchmates. But that said, yes, I had to choose psychiatry. Um, uh, initially, I didn't really... Uh, know um, that this was uh, an option that I would like, but then I got into it because uh, I had to do my service obligation uh, for doing my medicine in CMC. And that was a time where two and a half years, I worked straight out in psychiatry and I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed dealing and working with people with substance use, working with families, the persons with severe mental illnesses. I really loved supporting families who had children with intellectual disability and autism and all of those things. And so much so that uh, there were periods where I was the only person in that entire department. Uh, eight to five, eight to four, uh, things would work, and then after four, it was just me. So I was handling everything uh, over there, and I, I, I just wanted the full-on experience, and I never let go uh, of uh, psychiatry after that. So then from there, it was another journey to NIMHANS and learning that. Uh, uh, I could I could actually take help for my disability game when I went to the man.
0: To support our work with the blind and visually impaired you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in Please note www.scorefoundation
1: So, uh, Sharad, uh, on this note, I just wanted to also ask you, you know, there are a number of uh, visually impaired people, blind people who have taken up medicine when their eyesights were perfectly normal. But uh, along the way, they, for whatever reason, have lost their sight or are losing their sight. Uh, Maybe during the uh, period of studying medicine, or when they have qualified and they are already in the profession. Uh, And you've had dealings with them, you've been supporting them, you've been engaging with them. What has your experience
2: been? Well, sir, if you ask me, I think they are the best experts that we need in medicine. So, someone who's been fully trained, someone who's had sight and, you know, had. uh, the experience of losing vision as well, they would be problem-solving so much. They would be coping through all of the things at such a high level that there's a lot that we can all learn from them. I think their lives are like books that we can use, that we can read, that we can learn from um, in, in, in understanding how things can be done better. I, I would like to tell you a story about someone called Jacob bolton uh, Jacob Bollaton is someone who was working in the uh, late ni- uh, ni- uh, 19th and the 20th centuries. So the late 19th and the early uh, 20th century. He was he he's someone who was completely blind. He was born blind. And he is known and understood to be the one of the first doctors uh, with visual impairment. And there's a foundation named after him. There's an award named after him in the US. Now, he... Uh, was someone who people kept going to because he was someone who was not using the stethoscope. He would actually put his ear to the chest of the patient and then make out stuff. And there are times he's actually saved people's lives. He's found out things that other people were not able to find. So the the ways that people are able to, uh, you know, find alternate means of doing something is important. It's not just one way that uh, you know, you don't need to be someone who has complete vision uh, to be a very good dermatologist. Uh, now I, I'm mentioning the story of someone called David Hartman. Uh, he's someone who completed medicine in the US, uh, 1976 to 1980. Uh, he would just be able to buy the touch. He, he's someone who had uh, become completely blind by the age of eight and entered uh, training with blindness he would be able to touch with his uh, hand and uh, with his fingers, he'd be able to realize what sort of a dermatological lesion it was, and he would be able to prescribe them. Of course, uh, you know, when you're looking at that, there's so many changes that that hospital allowed him to do. He would have his guide dog allowed inside the hospital. There would be a nurse, uh, a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant who would be there with him to work with him and uh, complete things. But then, uh, what I'm trying to say here is, he is no less a doctor. In fact, he came out. He he outranked everybody in his batch. He graduated magna cum laude, and did superbly well. In a place like India,
1: where there's so much of mindset opposition, um, uh, and and um, uh, biases, uh, how have people actually responded? Um, are there any other any any of these people you've met in India? who
2: have completed their course or who are continuing to practice as uh, professionals? Yes, sir. There are quite a few. Well, the first way that people I have seen have responded is they actually internalize a lot of the things that are going around them. The mindsets that you're talking uh, are of ableism. So very simply put, Everybody around you thinks that the opposite of ability is disability. The opposite of ability is inability. Disability and inability are two different things. They need to be differentiated. And I think these people with disability are the ones who will be able to show that and showcase that the best. Now, as they internalize it, they themselves uh, go through an entire mental health crisis there, you know, shattered. Uh, dreams, uh, aspirations, uh, feelings, then what will I do? So a particular person I know had completed all of his studies and just towards the fag end of his course, the fag end where he had to actually start doing an internship, he started experiencing rapid vision loss. Within one year, he completely lost his sight. And uh, now what is he supposed to do? Is Is he a worthless doctor now? No, actually he's learned, he's understood things, he's, he's capable in many ways. So people should be encouraged in that aspect. There, there are people who respond uh, with uh, defiance as well. There, there are people who try to uh, work things out, try to problem solve by showing that they are just as good at, uh, as the others because they're masking whatever their problems are. And that itself doesn't work. So trying to say that, you know, no, no, you don't have a problem. Uh, you can work without the assistance. You don't need a Skype or you don't need the extra help. Or you don't need the extra time. All of these things don't work. Till I told my professors that, sir, with my current eyesight, I, I'm not able to make out on the x-ray that you're making a red mark or you're asking for a point I'm not able to make out. I, I, I wasn't able to discuss a solution with them. So they said, okay, What we'll do is we'll just take a white doctor's tape, make a point out of that, and put it there. And you identify that particular point based on your understanding of anatomy. And I was able to do that. So uh, we need to be able to discuss this. We need to be able to overcome that initial uh, mindset which is internalized inside of us.
1: You've written a lot of papers. You've also traveled across the world. You've been to Israel, you've been to uh, Romania, you've been to Nepal. What has been your general
2: experience in terms of travel, in terms of networking? Oh, sure. That's, uh, that's a, that was a whole different experience. So when I finished my MD and my training, I just had this inquisitiveness inside me. I want to find out if there's someone else who's you know, had some similar journeys. I thought the best way would be to go for international conferences. I thought everybody would come for that. So I tried to get into as many international conferences as I could. I started uh, presenting papers, research. I got a lot of awards. I The, the, the trip that you're mentioning to Israel was something which was supported by the Department of Science and Technology from India. And I got a scholarship to go there and present in the bioethics conference over there. I also had uh, the opportunity that you're mentioning for Romania was an award from the World Association and they recognized me as an early career fellow. So then the whole thing is, I mean, everybody expects uh, that a person with normal and full abilities is going to come. But the moment they see that there's a white cane in your hand, uh, it's a totally different expression. I mean, I have had people staring at me incredulously At least I I kind of feel them staring, or I imagine them, they'd be looking at me, uh, thinking what's going on, why I'm there like that. Yes, networking has been tough uh, in terms of I may not be able to recognize people, uh, where they are, when they are. Okay, did I meet this person? I have to recognize them by their voice or I wait for them. A lot of people have been sensitive uh, to this and then they come and tell me, hi, hi, Shara, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is Mendes, or this is Victor and those kinds of things are, are also there to be celebrated and noted. Of course, I do network a little bit, try to find out who else is going and then I get to know and I ping them and plan things to do. So we've gone on visits and tours and all of those things. I, I, I believe I have not let myself uh, down um, by saying that I can't experience this because I don't have the vision or I don't have my full eyesight.
1: You call yourself an activist. So tell us something (laughs) about your
2: activism. Any person who's going through a problem is actually the best activist. So I try to support people through whatever they're going through and then work out in that. Uh, but there are times where you know you really see that can't really work out. Uh, they really are not able to do that themselves, or they're not able to come to that place to do that. So I've been trying to write letters along. We have an entire network across India called Doctors with Disabilities. I lead the, the the, sec, uh, the section on people with sensory disabilities and visual disabilities. So we've been trying to write, write letters in important su- uh, Supreme Court cases and talk about that. I've been also working on uh, job identification notifications and trying to analyze that and respond uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the need which is there the um, unemployment figures for persons with disabilities are so stark and so different from the general population, something needs to be done. So those are some of the efforts that I have taken up. I have written to the papers. I have had some statements and uh, some details and all also provided. I've also tried to advocate about the medical system uh, of admissions, of selection, of teaching, also be more disabled friendly. So now that's a work in progress um, that feels like you know you have to go against the tide. Uh, but I think people are more responsive. They are becoming more and more aware. And uh, this is the best time. I mean, there's never been a better time than this because all the legislations all the frameworks are quite uh, supportive now and it's a matter now of how we uh, increase awareness and improve our advocacy efforts.
1: Sharad, uh, you and your two siblings, uh, all three of you are blind. Uh, uh, very traumatic uh, experience for your parents to start with. How did they deal with it? And uh... Uh, What are your childhood memories? The initial response, like
2: you said, is like, you know, beyond trauma, it was like shock. It was disbelief. It was like, you know, everything's all right with these chaps. But what is the issue? Why, why, how can someone's eyesight go and deteriorate? I mean, they have better eyesight and how can it go and deteriorate there? And he's able to play table tennis now. How can he not even see a whole car coming and hitting him? How can he miss a platform on the railway station and fall on the other side? So those are kinds of things that, you know, uh, my parents have to deal with. Uh, a lot more than parents is, you know, no one's really trained for parenting. So a lot of people, uh, as I mean, a lot of parents look to their, uh, you know, primary, secondary supports. They look to the elders, their years to, uh, you know, kind of support them through this to help them understand what's going on. And that's also important that, you know, uh, there be a better... Uh, a better way uh, where people respond. You know, you can't have people uh, responding with superstition and all of uh, those kinds of things. So so the immediate thing which happened uh, for uh, us as a family was that there was an entire fault finding. Oh, no, this is because of bad genes from your family or bad genes from uh, this side of the family and those kinds of things. So uh, it, was, it was initially quite... Uh, you know uh disheartening uh, but but i i did see that my father uh, never really let the standards be lowered he never stopped expecting us to perform well he was himself uh, a very high achiever and he himself would always have us uh, you know um you know look at the best want to be the best and you know outdo whatever our previous performances were so in that regard, that, that's something that I got from my dad. My mom was someone who said that, you know, you shouldn't give up on any of your dreams. You should just look to uh, God. You, you, you And, and she is someone who really supported me in my faith and my journey uh, through this is something that I have learned so much from her. Uh, that That sense of, you know, God's got the best for you. I mean, this is not... Some sort of a punishment from God. This is not some sort of a problem that He wished that only you carry or any of those things. It, it, it's something that even through this, He's going to do something good. He's going to do something great uh, through you. And I think that's really happened. Um, I don't think that, uh, given a chance, I would want to go back and change uh, something about my journey because I feel it's made me rich. Uh, rich with uh, a lot of learning and experience and maturity. Uh, those kinds of things are there.
1: Well, uh, thank you very much, Sharad, that uh, you've shared uh, your part of your professional journey, your personal journeys. Uh, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Wish you very best as we go forward.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you, sir.
0: I weigh, yeh hai This podcast was brought to you by Score Foundation.